Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. But yeah, question. Okay. Okay, you can and you can get started. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was being interesting. What are you answering to? You give us a poll. I can't understand what the poll is, but anyway. Uh, five medical conditions that mimic psychiatric disorders. Because uh, we have conditions that people send you to a psychiatrist for and Actually, they are actually a result of what is called a medical condition. And their terms of a medical condition are interesting because uh, we know a number of diseases that are associated with uh, people behaving as if they had uh, psychiatric problems. And uh, uh, electrolyte imbalances uh, can cause a lot of those kinds of things. And we call it delirium when uh, you uh, don't make sense. And uh, we talk about schizophrenia, mania, and, and other things uh, which are not associated with medical conditions. But there, there are 65% uh, of delirium cases are mistaken for depression. And uh, uh, a number of side, medications have side effects that uh, produce delirium. Uh, and these are some of those medications. And you've heard of people walking in their sleep and driving in their sleep, eating in their sleep and those kind of things. And sometimes there are side effects of the medication that you may take. And just like uh, Dow was talking about the cataract and the consequences of dairy products and of course, uh, any kind of electrolyte or glucose imbalance can result in uh, this kind of symptoms. Dr. Gallner, what, what is delirium? What, what is that? That's a altered mental, mental state. That's what it is simply. Uh, you, your mind is not functioning right and uh, uh, of course, they usually refer to delirium. Any state, anything that causes you to be mentally off course, uh, in contrast to, and usually they they relate this to uh, medical conditions, in contrast to dementia, which uh, they relate to cerebral conditions and. Alzheimer's and those kinds of things. But with delirium, you usually don't have any mental problem. You've got some kind of uh, metabolic problem that may be a side effect of medication or maybe even electrolyte imbalance because hyperparathyroidism is often associated with the 
Delirium, which uh, was directed by surgery and lowering the calcium level. So dementia, uh, as we know, Alzheimer's is one of the commonest causes of uh, dementia, which is, again, uh, altered mental state. And you can have hallucinations and other things, uh, uh, visual or auditory. And uh, most are able to identify uh, by x-rays of the brain, uh, MRI and others, uh, those correlates, those things that are correlated with uh, dementia. And there's a lot of discussion relative to which ones are associated with uh, Alzheimer's and which aren't. And there are those that are just associated with uh, the fact that you've got arteriosclerosis in the uh, vessels of the brain, which uh, cause you to have ischemic attacks and scarring in the brain and shrinking of the brain. Then, of course, the epilepsy, one, one of the interesting things is they used to equate uh, epilepsy with uh, mental uh, deficiency. And they used to talk about uh, epilepsy and uh, uh, and being uh, mentally disabled. And uh, they, they used to put them together. So if you had epilepsy, you felt you were mentally ill. Uh, and so we now know, of course, that epilepsy is a completely different issue. Uh, with, and that after the ep epileptic event is over, uh, the person uh, returns to normal and with medications, everything is stabilized. Uh, but uh, in the past, in the old days, as a matter of fact, there was a time when they approved uh, eugenics. And uh, one of the things that is frightening about some of the things they did in former years was that the Supreme Court proved by a vote eight to one uh, that you could uh, use eugenics on people who had epilepsy. And of course, we know that's, uh, that's awful. Uh, anybody not familiar with the term eugenics? I'm not. Okay. I mean, eugenics refers to uh, what was done many, maybe about 100 years ago. Hmm. Uh, maybe a little less, maybe 90 years ago, years ago, in which they decided that if you had certain diseases, you could be sterilized. Because they're trying to make a, a, uh, a uh, healthy nation. And so in terms of trying to make the patient healthy, they were sterilized people who had mental disorders or other disorders, uh, and they felt that they weren't, they should not be allowed to uh, perpetuate the species. And, uh, and of course, the, German, the Germans and the Third Reich uh, took us to another level, where they were killing off a population that they felt was uh, deficient in the effort to create a uh, wonderful white race. 
So that's what eugenics was all about. Uh, sterilizing people who weren't up to snuff and uh, uh, creating a, a, a white race that was superior to all. Anyway, then that's part of what eugenics is about. But the, 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 the tragedy is that, uh, that the Supreme Court could approve something like that. Man's inhumanity to man is sometimes uh, amazing. Uh, then, of course, there's traumatic brain injury, which which we see from uh, many of the uh, veterans and people who have skull fractures, automobile accidents uh, that can cause uh, neurologic dysfunction and neuropsychiatric sequelae, which are really the result of uh, traumatic brain injury, you have depression and all of these other symptoms that are a direct result of brain damage. Uh, uh, so, uh, and then that, that is thought to be why you have so many veterans who are post-traumatic stress disorder and also commit suicide. And then, uh, and then an infection, any infection with septicemia can alter the mental status. And uh, uh, there's so, so many infections and sepsis is uh, something that we know uh, alters mental status. And then after the infection is cleared up, then people go back to normal, meaning that uh, this was a state that was induced by the infection. Dr. Calder, there was a, a report about head trauma to NFL football players. Right. Good example. Traumatic brain injury. Right. And that might have been what happened to Muhammad Ali in his later years, too. Well, yeah, with his uh, Parkinson's. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Any questions about any of that? Okay, we'll move to the next one. This is an interesting article over concern about the fact that as time goes by, your antibody level decreases. And as your antibody level decreases, uh, now this is talking about the deadliest pandemic uh, was 1918 over 50 million deaths uh, uh, and uh, talked about how over time we develop uh, immunity. Uh, in those days, it was by uh, herd immunity, which is a tragic way to do it because you have so many people who die along the way. Uh, and then when you look at the time it takes for development of vaccines, uh, you can see that uh, the average time it takes generally to develop a vaccine is about 10 years. And uh, some have been as long as 35 years. Uh, but uh, we know that the most effective way of uh, taking these infections is the vaccines. Uh, but uh, and there was a time when people could decline small vaccines. But eventually, uh, Everybody relented, and uh, that was one of the vaccines that 
if you were going to a foreign country, that was one of the vaccines you had to take. And that, that eliminated smallpox from the, from the world, the vaccine did, so. Uh, and so the way vaccines work is you develop antibodies and sensitized cells. Uh, it's not the antibodies alone, but the antibodies and sensitized cells combine to uh, eliminate an infection. And that's the purpose of a vaccine to, to develop antibodies plus uh, and uh, sensitized cells that together they can eliminate the infection, whatever the cause. And so the, the, what we're saying is that immunity is more than antibodies, although antibodies are a good part of it. And so uh, the components of antibodies are the humoral immunity and cellular immunity. And uh, with the, what we usually talk when we talk about antibodies is, is, is the humoral immunity. But measuring the ability of the cells, the T cells, for example, to do, to combine with the antibodies, it's not something that we've been able to measure. We measure only the antibody titers. And that's uh, what the essence of this is all about, is that uh, these cells, which are responsible for what we call uh, humoral immunity, is what we look for. But actually, we need to look for memory, B cell antibody, as well as T cell function. Uh, because the T cells are able to elaborate and cause production of antibodies as well. And so what they are indicating is that uh, uh, the antibody story is not the whole story. It's a major part of the story, but it's not all there is to it. And so we've got to be able to uh, try to identify the T cells function as well to see if, uh, and it appears that the durability of the vaccine is related to not only the, the antibodies produced by the T cells, but also the T cells, which give you the cellular immunity. And that's why uh, uh, they indicate to you that even though your antibody may be waning, you still may be able to fight off the infection. And so as, as we look at the, uh, the rate at which uh, the Delta variant is affecting those who are not vaccinated and some of those who are vaccinated, uh, this is, and, and the antibody story uh, helped us to identify that uh, people who are on steroids and immunosuppressants uh, don't have the antibody titers that people who are not on those drugs have. And that's how we became aware of the fact that that special group and the group over 65 need more treatment than other groups. So what does this mean? It means that uh, uh, 
until the pandemic is over, we're going to have to use isolation and take masks and uh, boost our immune response when necessary. And that's why they decided to give the boosters to those people who are over 65. Uh, and of course, we know already they're giving boosters to those people who are immunosuppressed. And of course, we know that uh, we have uh, breakthrough infections among the people who are actually fully vaccinated. And the emphasis has been on trying to get the unvaccinated to become vaccinated. Now, a statement of vaccinating the world is, is appropriate because I think uh, we have to recognize that the closer we get to herd immunity by whatever means, whether it's by vaccination or whatever means, the more likely we are to eradicate the disease. Now, the question is, what percentage of the population do you think of the global population is immunized, is vaccinated for that? Maybe 20%. Probably less, but uh, in that percentage, it's probably <coughs> 10 and 20%. Dow, you got any figure on that? But it's somewhere between about 10% probably. And uh, I think uh, we're trying to get World Health and everybody else to work together to make sure that those countries who can't afford it uh, get the vaccine. Because it's in all of our best interest to have as many people vaccinated as possible on the globe. Uh, uh, Dr. Calder, uh... It, would there be a better way to determine the uh, the protection, the, the the lasting protection of a of a vaccine, other than the you know measuring antibodies? What do you think about that? Yeah, there's a, there are ways. It's just probably more expensive. Uh, but uh, to test for, we just find it's easier to test for uh, humoral immunity than it is to test for T cell immunity. Uh, because it's easier, but I, I don't. So there is a way to do it. I don't know about the expense of doing it though. Mm -hmm. And there is a significant correlation between the uh, uh, body's ability to uh, mount antibodies and the ability to uh, overcome infection. So since they correlate, I think it's been attractive to, to do it that way. But there are tests to uh, evaluate cellular, cellular immunity, as well as the so-called humoral immunity, which we usually test. Any questions about that? If not, uh, this is an article I thought was very, uh, because there's so much vaccine hesitancy right now. Uh, 
we have close to uh, 200, above 170 million who are actually vaccinated, meaning there's about 100, more than, more than uh, 150 million people who are not vaccinated. And so we've got a, a big problem. And so uh, they decided to articulate and enumerate uh, the uh, reasons and uh, they call this cognitive dissonance, meaning that even though you know you need to change your behavior, you don't. Even though we have the facts in front of us, uh, we still choose uh, not to be vaccinated. It is, it, it, it doesn't make sense, but anyway, that's, that's real, as we've talked about many times. That people know better, but they just won't do it. Then there's confirmation bias. We have our existing beliefs and we want to stick with them, whether it's uh, reasonable or not. And then there's omission bias, which means uh, we worry about the side effects, even though they are relatively small and few, we make that the reason for uh, not getting the vaccine. And then the so-called availability heuristic, where uh, uh, we uh, find it easy to think of instances where the vaccine failed and forgetting about the case in which it effectively prevented disease, which is a common practice. Practice, And of course the news focuses on the rare occurrences. And therefore, uh, when people see that, they use that as a reason not to take the vaccine. And so we try to overcome it by information, as information is power, and so uh, uh, educating and empowering is something we try to do by all means necessary. Dr. Callender, I talked to a young lady who said that um, she wasn't going to be vaccinated because um, they developed the vaccine too quickly. <laughs> Yeah, that's which is common. not true. Well, no, from her perspective, no. You when when you it is true. Uh, we said it takes an average of ten years to to uh, create a vaccine. That's the past history. So she's going on past history. Well, we've learned from our mistakes in the past, and we now do it differently. So it's not too quickly. It was done quickly, not too quickly, but quickly. And it was done safely. Uh, but uh, if you're in the past and you say, well, it took 10 years before, why can't we wait for 10 years? The reason you, want, you won't want to wait for 10 years is because then you will have 50 million people dead. That's why. The other thing, Dr. Callender, is that uh, I saw a report where they were working on this vaccine, you know, 10 or 15 years ago because they predicted I guess by using computer models, that a, the, the next 
pandemic was around the corner. So they started working on on the, the vaccine long time ago. Well, no, they started working on the technique, but they didn't start working on the vaccine. They started working on the technique that uh, allowed us to develop the vaccine. Uh, that technique is the RNA model, which, which, as you say, was developed 10 years ago. It wasn't the vaccine, but it was the RNA technology that was new uh, 10 years ago, and it's not new now. And so when people say they quickly developed a vaccine, yeah, that's true, but the methodology has been there, as you say, for more than 10 years. It's just that it wasn't utilized for a vaccine until now. The other thing, too, um, in the report, it said that they knew a they knew that another um, pandemic was around the corner. Uh, well, yeah, nineteen eighteen, hundred years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's why even Obama had a, a protocol for the pandemic because you're right. They, it's at least it's about a hundred years since the Spanish. They call it the Spanish flu, uh, nineteen eighteen. Yeah. Now, for those who uh, wonder which vaccine is the most effective, this is an article that compares all three vaccines. And uh, it said that uh, effectiveness was highest for the Moderna vaccine and lowest for the Janssen vaccine. And uh, although all of them are much higher than the flu <laughs> uh, results, uh, it still allows you to say that Moderna is the most effective, although Pfizer is a close second. And this shows the degree after over time and in all time periods, Moderna was the one that had, was the most effective. They haven't done as many studies on the Janssen, Johnson and Johnson vaccine. They've just recently done more studies on the, uh, I think we have a study here that looks at the population over five. But this is the bottom line. I think this is what is really more important, that all of them provide a high rate of protection against coronavirus. Now, this is a sobering thought that uh, COVID-19 killed more people in the United States than the 1918 flu. Now, I think as Daryl has mentioned before, the population now is three times what it was in uh, 1918, but still. Uh, we still have outdone the 1918 flu in terms of the United States population. Not for the globe, because it's about 4.5 million in the globe. But uh, and, and, uh, and in 1918, it was close to 50 million. So uh, it's clear that uh, we don't want to wait for uh, 
for herd immunity, we want to do what we're doing now, vaccinating. Any questions or comments about this? I wonder how it got called the Spanish flu because Trump wasn't even around back then. I think uh, the uh, veterans were coming back from Spain <laughs> and so they blamed it on, on Spain. Uh, but nobody really knows where it started from. Now, in contrast to this one, where we know it started from China. Yeah, that was interesting that this historical occurrence parade that led to many deaths. What does Ecclesiastes say? Uh, that which hath been is which will be and that which is done is that which shall be done. So there's nothing new under the sun. And lo and behold, that's true again. Can you imagine today, 2,000 deaths a day from COVID? Frightening, isn't it? At this stage, that's kind of frightening. So basically what you're saying is that a hundred years from now, people are still just gonna be the same way. No, what I'm saying is that uh, people are people. Um, but uh, when you say the same way, I don't know. What do you mean the same way? About, um, they were saying, you know, about wearing the mask, getting um, the, vaccination and all of that or will people be even worse about you know taking the precautions they haven't learned from history because have we learned from history of 1918 doesn't you know well, we, learned, we learned to take the vaccine they didn't have a vaccine in 1918 okay so that's one thing we learned is that you need to have a vaccine uh, our, our social behavior hasn't uh changed a lot, but uh, we had enough sense to know that we needed a vaccine. John, back to your question, why was it called the Spanish flu? Uh, the flu started taking hold right after the end of World War One, and King Al Alfonso of Spain uh, came down with a nasty case of the Spanish flu. And so people started to call it the Spanish flu because the King of Spain had it. But the people in Spain, they thought it originated in France, and they called it the French flu. So it was just <laughs> a matter of uh, xenophobia phobia or fear of the other that was still even present back then, where we just blame yeah. it on other people. 
Yep, that's it. That that behavior hasn't changed, has it? No, that hasn't changed because Trump <laughs> called that other thing the Asian flu. Well, he, he didn't call it the Asian flu. He called it the Chinese flu. Chinese flu, yeah. It was very specific. <laughs> he called it the Kung flu. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So human behavior hasn't changed much. <laughs> Medical yeah. science has changed, but human behavior. Yeah. And back then they didn't back then they didn't have a vaccine for the Spanish flu, but they were recommending masks and uh, isolation and quarantines. And there was a lot of yeah, there's a lot of mask and quarantine hesitation and reluctance back then. So our past president was no so different than anybody else. It's just that he had to be our political leader at that time. He had the same mentality as human nature. He's just a regular old person. Yeah. Well, like was said before, we have a tendency to blame things on other people who don't look like us. <laughs> yeah, that's well stated. And that's probably why he started calling the China flu. He knew of the Spanish flu and he thought he was just following the <laughs> protocol and just gave it a, a name like that, a country, which yeah. we all found fault with. But you know what? True. Not to get off topic, but I found fault with him for the things that he said in the past about Haiti. You know that it was a swamp. And look what's going on over there now. The people are really devastated there. Well, I think what's even worse is uh, the way they're treating the Haitian immigrants, which is uh, same old stuff that we've seen time and time again. People that look like, look like us, they flew, flew them back to Haiti. Uh, the other people, they didn't fly them anywhere. So, Afghanistan, they flew them by droves and here and everybody's getting upset, you know, about them not rescuing them, the Americans and the Afghanistans that wanted to leave. We brought them over here, gave them the shots and everything, welcomed them in our homes. Hades, they got, like they said, the slave mentality, the horses and the whips and putting them back on the boats and putting them back where they were, even though they're having the same difficulty over there. Mm -hmm. So America hasn't changed any. Nope. Some, some of the people from Afghanistan brought measles. They brought what? Measles. That's right. That's oh, right. They yeah. brought a lot of different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, uh, the United States, is, uh, many of the people in the United States are outraged by the uh, uh, racial racism that they reflect, they're reflecting by their behavior. I was wondering, um, how do Americans go about, like Afghanistan, people welcome them to their cities and their homes and everything or a place to make for them? Um, is there a way for us to do that for the Haitians? You can't do that if you're sending them back by plane. Right. <laughs> right, so it has to be the government that'll help us to welcome them 
to our homes. I remember once before something happened, devastation, and they were asking Americans if we could take them into our homes. Um, so I don't, I never heard of them doing that for black people. Uh, Haitians are too dark to get political support. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. I mean, I never, you know, I heard about it for all other ethnic groups, not for any black people. And the governor and lieutenant governor in Texas are making it worse. How are they making it worse? Well, the lieutenant governor has said publicly that um, the Democrats are bringing in all these people, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, all these people who don't look like white people. And they're changing the, and all these people will be uh, beholding to the Democrats and will vote Democratic. I mean, he said that publicly and will, and is changing, you know, this is changing the culture in the country. Well, that, that's true. And that's changing anyway. So, but, uh, yeah, but they, but it's interesting. They have a different perspective to uh, those people than they do for the Haitians. Exactly. Because the Haitians, they put them on a plane and send them back. So, but, you know, it, it's, 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 it's back to the same old stuff of, of uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, which we don't do. We may talk about it sometimes, but our behavior is contrary. Oh, I know what I was talking about, Katrina. Hurricane Katrina, when they were displaced and they were asked, well, I know that was Americans with Americans. Yeah, they, they were. Americans. They were asking Americans to open up their homes and et cetera for, yeah. On the victims of Hurricane Katrina. Right, that's right. Yeah, because John and I contemplated, didn't we, John? I'm Good on. Way. I'm on mute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is an article that uh, finally comes to conclusion on what uh, the United States is going to be doing. That's to give boosters for 65 and older and those who are already at high risk. And the uh, uh, vote was pretty, uh, pretty good, almost unanimous. And uh, I think most people uh, would accept this, which is suggesting that the general population does not need the booster. And the efficacy of the of the viruses suggests that the general population may not need it, but uh, certainly the people who are deficient in developing antibodies would, and people over 65 have a reduction in their ability to produce antibodies. So it, it makes sense. Dr. Callender, I saw an article where the new, this, this, the latest variant, I can't think of the name of it right now, has reached Maryland. 
Have, do you know whether they have done any research on that variant no. as opposed to having? No, they don't have enough cases yet. Okay. And we have an article about that a little later. Oh, okay. But it's, it's not, not helpful, right? Anybody have any reservations about this uh, policy for this booster? Any of us under uh, 60? I guess those who are under 60 aren't here today, huh? And this kind of reinforces that position on boosters but elderly and high risk, which uh, uh, makes more sense than anything else. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things that affected the vote was the fact that uh, so many people in the world have not yet even been vaccinated. And to some more, uh, uh, efforts to vaccinate, to boost everyone uh, would be kind of a slap in the face to the, the populations that don't have any vaccine. So, so, so it, it, it makes sense. And I think the World Health Organization, uh, as well as UN and all groups should do the best they can to see that all, all humans are uh, vaccinated. And that should be the number one priority, I guess, which is what everybody is saying. I'm not sure how many transplant recipients or cancer patients have taken advantage of this opportunity. Uh, also, uh, what they don't talk about is patients who are immunosuppressed for other reasons, because you have people with rheumatoid arthritis and other autoimmune diseases who are on prednisone. These are people who uh, uh, should get boosters as well. And I think sometimes uh, People forget that uh, there are so many other indications for using steroids to treat other diseases other than cancer and transplant patients. And they forget that that group of patients is equally susceptible to infection. Why don't we go to the next one? We, we're killing this uh, horse. Mm. 
<laughs> this is an article that talk, talks about how, <clears throat> how getting a booster is not unusual because all of us get a, well, not all of us, many of us get flu shots every year and they are just boosters, except the difference is uh, they are modified based upon the uh, virus that is floating around, which is already uh, varied from how it was before. So the, the virus boosted shot every year is, is a little different. I got my flu shot Monday. And uh, uh, the difference is that uh, these booster shots are the same. Whereas the, the flu booster shot is different every year. It's modified based upon the uh, what seems to be the virus that's coming from uh, Australia and other places. So, Doc, do you, do you think they're going to uh, uh, modify the uh, the boosters for COVID? I, it all depends on what the research shows. So, so far, because of the efficacy of the virus, it seems as though they don't need to. Uh, but if the virus would uh, vary so much that the vaccine is not functional, then they would have to uh, change the booster. <clears throat> so far, that's not been the case. So the protection is still there, so they haven't needed to modify it. But it's it's possible that that, that could come to pass. Dr. Callender, what was your rationale for saying um, you're getting the booster shot in October rather than September? Because uh, uh, many of us older people, especially people close to my age, antibody titers uh, decrease with time. And so if you get a shot in September and your antibody titer decreases in, let's say, March, then uh, maybe a little bit too early. And so that's why uh, my doctor suggested that we get the, uh, the, boost, the, the booster shot in October rather than September. Uh, and the, the, the flu season usually starts in uh, November, late November, December, and runs through March. So that was the rationale. I know you've always have said that, and I've always gotten a flu shot every year in October. Last week, my doctor said, you're getting it right now. I was having a couple of issues, so I hope it's going to be effective through the flu season, but I've already had my flu shot. I got it last Friday. Well, it, it'll, it, it, it's going to be good uh, at least until March. So. Mm. And then... Uh, you know, that's when somebody asked for, and as you age, see, you're much younger than I am. I'm in my 80s, so uh, my, my immune system is going to uh, shut down a lot earlier than yours. Uh, so it may not be operative for you. But the older you are, the more likely it is to be operative that you may need to, uh, to get a little later. But, uh, yeah. For younger people, it doesn't matter. And I've also, uh, as you get over 65, they give you a double dose anyway. So Yes. And if they don't, you should ask for it. Right. I got it. Yeah. Dr. Callender, I was just wondering, this is off the subject, 
you have a position. Do you ever have, um, you always have the same opinion as your position, your doctor? No, but uh, my, doc my doctor suggested I do what my doctor says. I'm a good patient. You're a good patient? Yeah, well, I follow what my doctor recommends. Yeah. Okay, even if you disagree? Well, I, I usually don't have much of an opinion. Uh, I haven't disagreed at any point. Oh, okay. I was just wondering how yeah. doctors do it. Well, I, I try to be, I try to follow what my doctor, for example, he, he has me on uh, levothyroid, levo 50 micrograms, um, uh, because he believes that uh, as you age, your, some of your hormones decrease. And so I don't have any opinion about that. That's his opinion. And I take it because that's what he's, he's my doctor, and that's what he suggests. And that's I haven't given much thought to it either. I just, if that's what he suggests, fine. And that's why they say trust your doctor. If you trust your doctor, it's okay. Yeah, right. Well, I, that's what it's, yeah. yeah. I know lawyers, lawyers listen to their lawyers. <laughs> yeah. So how do you tell a person, you know, because we had that problem before of a relative that had a doctor wasn't giving her sound advice and uh, but she was trusting her doctor you know not saying that there's not all doctors are perfect not nobody is all perfect how do you know if you got a quack or not that's the wrong word to use especially well you can always get a second opinion if, for example if you if you have a strong difference about what your doctor is saying you get a second opinion and see okay. what they say that's the safest practice. Get a second opinion. There's also a you. source, a rating um, that you can go to um, to find out if doctors have had complaints and what kind of complaints and that kind of thing. Well, ratings are very subjective. So. Yep, yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, I kind of followed your, your suggestion, Doctor. Last year, I got my, my flu shot the like the second day of uh, September. So now I waited three weeks, <laughs> you know, close to October. Probably as you age, it becomes more important. The closer you are to 60, probably it's less, a, less of an issue. Uh, Dr. Calder, I have a question. Um, because you're, you age and your immune system weakens, those people who are immune suppressed does that mean that their immune-suppressed drugs will increase? Now, what? Then, yeah, what the, is, the point is, if your immune system decreases as you age, yes. those transplant people who are taking immune-suppressant drugs, will they have to take more immune-suppressant dosages of the drugs to compensate? No. Now, are you asking, do they need to take more prednisone? Well, not that particularly, but just immune suppression in general. No, no, no you, no, you wouldn't need to modify your immunosuppression. You need to modify your, your, your vaccination, that's all. 
that's for example why uh, older people take uh, double doses of uh, vaccines. So you wouldn't need to modify your immunosuppression, you need to modify your vaccine dosage. And that's what they've done for older people over 65, they double the dose. Well, what we know about kids in the Delta variant is not, uh, not good. Uh, we know uh, that uh, they are transmitting it more and that they are having complications. And uh, this story is horrifying. Uh, it talks about this girl. Go back up for so it talks about her, uh, yeah, right there. And she was in good health until people in her family became sick with COVID. She began developing symptoms and the next morning she was found dead. So and she was uh, four. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, we don't know a lot about uh, some of the younger people. We do know now that over five that uh, the vaccine is safe, but we don't know about uh, those under five. But look at this number uh, about children, second highest number of child cases in a week uh, coming down with the virus. So that uh, that's another area that needs to be explored uh, as this pandemic continues to teach us new things about uh, our knowledge of COVID. This girl got it from her family and not from school, right? She right. got it from her family, right. So the children that are getting it, are they getting it from the school or are they getting it from the families, their family? I don't, I haven't seen the data to tell, get an answer to that question. That, that, that's a, that's an important question to answer, though. But I haven't seen enough data to, to be able to answer that question. This morning on the news, they said children under the age of 12 are actually getting the virus at a faster rate and spreading it amongst their peers. Yeah, between five and 12, right. Okay. But under five, uh, we don't know the answer. But between five and 12, we know now that the the vaccine is safe. So are they're getting it more now that school is open or is it at the same rate? Now what, you're getting more what? Um, um, are they contacting the virus more now that school is open with their peers or did they get the same amount of, uh, same percentage with they just with their families? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, Time will tell. I think maybe too soon to tell. Schools just opened up, so it'll take a while. Take a take a few weeks. Well, school has just opened up, and we've had two grandchildren have to come home and stay quarantined for a while. So, if that's any indication, it means it's increasing because that, when they were not, home, they yeah. were fine. You know. Yeah. Well. Quarantine doesn't mean they, that means somebody had it. Right. They had it. Right. 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 Exactly. So they're going to school and 
somebody had it, so now they got to stay home. Right. So well, anyway, the date is not in. We have to be patient and wait for it. I don't. I don't know any other way to answer that. And I'm hearing more and more stories of children getting it. My niece is a school teacher, and she had a classroom of 18, but within a week, it was a classroom of five. She said, "Now they're slowly coming back in. They had COVID." So if that's any indication, it's going up. Yeah. At least 439 children have died from COVID. So one, of the that things that, one of the things that we did with our um, twins is uh, we went out and they just turned three and we went out and purchased some um, KN95 masks for them to help them. Um, um, instead of wearing the cloth and the surgical mask. Well, they certainly are the more effective one. Now, this is an article on uh, a lady who was vaccinated who died as a consequence of severe COVID. Uh, Yeah, this, this is this their, their version of the story, but it's interesting. She was fully vaccinated. Uh, she uh, got the Moderna virus. Vaccine was the best one. <clears throat> and she visited a friend, unvaccinated friend in Mississippi and uh, condition deteriorated quickly and she died. So she was fully vaccinated and still got it. Yeah, so uh, she did have a pre-existing and was already immunocompromised. And I don't, and at the time they were not recommending booster shots. Uh, although uh, we had evidence that that was the case. But it, it does uh, remind us to take the precautions, even, if, even though you are vaccinated, uh, because uh, a small percentage of cases who have had have been fully vaccinated have died, and so uh, that's uh, a way to call for all of us who were relaxing our masks and social distancing uh, as we go to the different concerts and other things. To keep in mind that uh, when you're around people who are not vaccinated. Uh, you're at risk. Any other comments about this breakthrough infection and that issue? It's interesting that California would have the highest tra virus transmission rate now as the low. Of course, Florida and Texas uh, are uh, the other side of the spectrum. 70% of eligible Californians are fully vaccinated. Another 8% have received their first shot. So they are moving towards herd immunity. The vaccination record is becoming very important in terms of uh, going anywhere these days. 
especially if you go to concerts or programs that are requiring uh, vaccination records or negative tests. Any any other thoughts or comments relative to this? I look at California. I was thinking about our churches that are opening up. What is preventing our churches from asking people to attend only if they're vaccination? And I was looking at that little lady that was walking in and she had to show proof that she was vaccinated by showing our car. Is there anything legal about that? I guess she was showing her car to prove that she was vaccinated. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, our church has a policy that I don't approve. And their policy is, we, we trust you. If you say you're vaccinated, that's good enough for us. I, I don't ascribe to that policy. Why, uh, you don't trust people? No, absolutely not. Right. Uh, and, and of course, calendars rule. That, that taught all of my students. I hope they don't forget it. Oh, they will, but I hope they don't forget <laughs> it. Is trust God, everybody else uh, has to be uh, double checked or triple check. And that's calendar's rule. And that, that, that should, I, I would, I think the same way in church, but the, the, uh, the ministerial group feels that uh, you should trust. I don't know. I say trust, but verify. There you go. Always. And uh, so that, anyway, that, I, that, that's the way it is in our church. I don't know about other churches, uh, whether they, Require to see the, the vaccination record. Uh, so, I mean, you who have started church, maybe yours is different from mine, but ours, they say, we take your word. I don't know of anything around here that they are asking to see your vaccination card. Maybe somebody knows, but I, I haven't seen a church, store, no place. Where are they asking for these vaccination cards? Because I keep carrying mine in my billfold. And I was wondering, nobody's asked to see it. Well, if you go to any concert, if you go to any concert or, or uh, uh, they, they will likely ask you for, for it. Did they, did they, they did at the concert I went to. Uh, you had to take your vaccination record with you. If you didn't have it, uh, you didn't have a positive test, you got a refund. Yeah, I did a, a concert at the Echo Stage uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I think it was the fifth, and uh, people had to line up, they had to show their card and a, a picture ID. If they, That's right. Yeah. If they didn't have the vaccination card, they could get a COVID test. And they said uh, 200 people, over 200 people took the COVID test. It was a quick test. So within five or 10 minutes, they, they knew if they were positive or, or negative. And uh, at the same time, they got the, the, P the PCR test, which comes back 24 hours. So, I mean, it was kind of a, a good service to those people who, who wanted to come to the concert. There's about 800 people in the concert and they had to wear masks inside, even though they were uh, negative, even though they were vaccinated. That sounds interesting. The band members had to get in the line. 
uh, you know, they did not check me. I don't know about the rest of them. <laughs> well, that's interesting because you're the guys who can disseminate it uh, more than anybody else, the band members. <laughs> yeah, your trombone has to have a breathalyzer test. <laughs> uh, that's interesting because that, yeah, that, that's missing the boat in a, in a number of ways because the, 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 the uh, performers are, are more likely to be able to disseminate it than the other people. And we, we don't wear masks on stage. Off stage, yes. I don't mind you not wearing masks if you're vaccinated. Yeah. But if you're not, then hmm, that's, that's a problem if you, if you test everybody except the performance. <laughs> but more and more often, especially recently, um, you're seeing fewer masks. And they take your word for it. As Dr. Callender said, you should never just take the word. And I was in the restaurant yesterday, and I noticed almost no one had a mask on, not even the waiters, very few. But then there was a note on the door, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. But no one asked. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, you wear your mask. In other words, to yeah. protect yourself, you do it. But most of the people, I did. And the few people that I was with, they did. But uh, that's the note. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And yeah, that, the majority of them did not. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what they said at first in the movie theater that I went to. Uh, but by the second week, they changed. Everybody had to wear masks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this next article is uh, kind of uh, controversial. So, and it, it, it has a, a video link. And I'm, maybe at the end, we can, we can watch it. It takes about four okay. You can go to the next one, okay? Oh, yeah, this is a, that's an interesting article, this one, uh, about uh, Nikki Minaj, who uh, didn't believe in uh, being vaccinated. And uh, she, she indicated that, and they got into a, discussion uh, about whether or not vaccines were necessary. And uh, she then uh, challenged her and uh, and they, they talked about some of the misinformation that we'd talked about earlier. Uh, and uh, they challenged it and then the result of that challenge is that uh, she developed a rap song. And here lies the whole purpose of her doing this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, it's amazing how people uh, respond to to the challenge of the vaccine. <laughs> but 
but of course, uh, uh, it's not distrust of the vaccine, it's distrust of the system. It's uh, both. <laughs> because uh, as Buchanan said before, the whites, blacks, greens, and purples are getting the vaccine. So I don't know what, what you're concerned about, but anyway. 76% of the United States people are getting the vaccine. You know, for, for me, when a popular person comes out with something, you know, uh, un, unverified, you know, uh, the hesitancy or the, even not, not just the hesitancy, but saying, hey, I'm not getting the vaccine and this is why. And, uh, you know, a lot of people listen to them. That social media is so powerful. That's right. Uh, you know, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. And the, 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 the negative aspect is strong because it puts that doubt in, in your mind, you know. Uh, yeah. How well we remember Oprah Winfrey and the mad cow disease. What happened with her? I don't What did she do? She came out saying that um, certain meats and meat products would cause mad cow disease. And she had all the farmers mad at her about that. Oh, yeah, especially since uh, mad cow disease is, un is untreatable. And uh, if, if, if anyone is suspected, all of the cows are killed mm -hmm. because uh, we can't treat that effectively. Uh, I'm going I'm to try to play this, this video. Uh, okay. Yeah, she decided she'd rap and try to give us some truth to her misinformation. Don't forget the bottom left corner of your share screen. Twitter, one of them on your screen now. In it, she claims you had to be vaccinated to attend the rapper Nicki Minaj. Oh boy, let's see. Recording in progress. Her cousin's friend got vaccinated and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dr. Raven, the science raven. I'm a molecular biologist and science communicator. I understand all angles of this conversation with Nikki saying, I want to do more research. I don't want to be pushed into a corner 
just because I have to go to this and that. And then I understand people feeling frustrated because it's been over a year and a half now that we've been in this pandemic and the vaccines have been available for months and months and months now. There needs to be room for all of those feelings. And I don't think it's fair for us to force people to feel a certain way about decisions that they make about their body. So I offered Nikki an opportunity to chat. I am an educator. I've taught in K-12 spaces. I've taught at university settings. I'm also a rapper. <laughs> I make science rap music. And I happened to last year have made this video and I wrote a song called Antibody. And everybody calls it the antibody Yadi song. Everybody asking me, what's the vaccine? That beat scientist in the LAP. Check the photo right with leg acids and proteins. We make a chance to build up their adaptive community. Been used as a teaching tool to get people acquainted with the terminology around the immune system, about vaccines, about what's going on with our bodies when we receive vaccines at the cellular level. And, you know, it's a video that I made to help a student study for their microbiology exam last year, but um, I've learned that it's also helpful for people to just hear the words, see, see a face that's friendly, and hopefully they're able to kind of dig in deeper in the song and learn about their meaning, the meanings of the words. It's important for people to just see that interaction of, here's a scientist that cares, here's a scientist that understands how to communicate in a way that's not like an academic journal that nobody can understand or using, you know, I did use big words in the song, but I did it in a way that invites you to dance along to it. You know, a lot of people are frustrated and it's becoming more of an emotional thing. Like, how could you not, at this point, uh, trust the science. And what does it mean when people say, well, I'm, I still want to do my research. The way that I interpret that is I'm still looking for somebody I can trust or a source that I can trust to listen to. Because when scientists do their research, we analyze our sources as well. Well, that's interesting. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Anybody understand the rap? I, I didn't. I understand the songs. I don't understand the rap. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. That's because, really that's because all y'all are over 60 and nobody over 60. Maybe Daryl can because he's the closest one to it. <laughs> Well, I'm not 60, Carol Tatum, and I did not understand it because I don't like rap music. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that young lady that's with Pearlinga understood it. Yeah, well. Okay, well, I guess you're right. Maybe for another generation. Mm -hmm. That generation that's not taking the shot. Maybe if they heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, listen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Betty, you can show it to your grandson and he will interpret it. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, he would. <laughs> well, I, I actually felt the same thing about Hamilton. I remember that. Uh, oh, yeah. Rock opera. Just $39 purple coverage. Prior to Hamilton. Prior to Hamilton, I would say that I don't like rap. Um, in fact, some of the the, the content was um, was bad, you know, to to say the least. Uh, a lot of the 
the subject matter and the language uh, and the uh, anti-misogynistic -misogy uh, content. But when I heard the, the idea of rap, which kids love, uh, applied to something historical or, you know, I mean, I, I loved it. Hamilton was an awesome event, you know, and, and to hear rap applied to something positive was, was really, really, really great. Uh, so hearing this, I was open to, to hearing this, this doctor do, do rap. Which I, I thought it was pretty cool. I heard Hamilton, but I still could not understand it. I, some of the, some parts of it, they had a, I never went to the theater. They had a presentation on television and I did listen to it and I could glean some of the, just by knowing some of the history, but just trying to follow the songs and the, the I, it was too fast for me. <laughs> That's the key. See, now I'm a rapper and I know that uh, you have to hear much at a faster pace to uh, either rap or to listen to rap. And the problem with you old folks, you don't hear fast enough. That's true. <laughs> you know, and where uh, are you, my little brother? <laughs> I'm 72. But my ears, I have 25-year-old ears. <laughs> what, what, what was awesome about the performance I attended, which was at the Kennedy Center, mm -hmm. they had a, a big screen, like a, a, a five or six foot wide, two feet tall uh, digital uh, screen on the side of the stage that had all the lyrics real time. So you, oh. could, you, could, you could read what they were saying exactly as they were saying. It was awesome. But also prior to, to seeing Hamilton, I, um, my, my wife loved it. So I, I listened to it. She wanted to go. I didn't want to go because it was rap. But uh, listening to the DVD, you know, ahead of time, you know, I, I could, uh, and, and it had all the lyrics in the DVD jacket. So I would recommend that if you wanted to see it again. Yeah. I enjoyed Hamilton. I saw it in New York, the performance. I loved it. I understood it better. It was yes. the flow, the song, it's stream, yeah. as opposed to just saying the words. It was great. So I preferred the rap. It was good. It was good. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think what we listened to this morning, I will go back and listen to it again. I'm keeping an open mind and yeah. I will listen to it again to mm -hmm. make to see if I get it. Mm -hmm. I think whatever we can do to get positive information out to the younger people is a plus. Right. You know, they definitely yes. listen, listen to those rappers, to those mm -hmm. to their, their, their heroes. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of them pay more attention to rappers than they pay attention to their parents. Mm -hmm. And their school teachers. Mm -hmm. and the school. Nicki Minaj is more... Um, in on their line than that doctor. They probably listen to Nikki more than they would that doctor. They would probably look at her more. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they listen to, I'm they listen to Lil Wayne. <laughs> Lil Wayne. Yeah. 
Okay, so any other comments? If not, I guess we're done for the week. Hopefully next week uh, we'll be able to get another one of our speakers to... Uh... Yeah!